Father, we love you. And again, um, we received Jonathan this morning as a gift from you, as a, one of the ways that you bless us. And we pray that you would stir up your anointing in him and you would speak through him to encourage and instruct us today. We love you. And uh, we say, speak, Lord, through your servants. Speak, Lord, to your servants. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be here. It's really an honor. As you know, my name is Jonathan Doolin, and I think it was back in 1998, I was a student here at Resurrection uh, Christian School and graduating. And my wife is, you might know her as Carrie Morton. Uh, we got married and have now four kids. Uh, it's been great. We have a boy, then we had a girl, then we had a boy, and then we had a girl. Worked out a great pattern. <laughs> and as uh, Pastor Billy mentioned, we have been on the mission field for a long time. So if you ask our kids, where are you from, it gets kind of complicated because they, they've lived most of their lives overseas. For 15 years, we lived in Russia in a, a city called Perm in the Perm province. And the past two years, we lived in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. And so that's where we're just coming from, um, that part of the world. But Perm, Russia is known for its long, cold winters and very short summers, you know. And so the Russians have a joke in, in Perm. They say that it gets so cold you can open your freezer to warm up. <laughs> can you imagine that? And it's true. And, uh, but, you know, Bishkek is, is nice because it has, you know, shorter winters and longer summers. So that's been a, a, a very therapeutic uh, because Russia is quite dark. But I want to tell you today something that I consider to be my life message. If you were to ask me, why am I a missionary? Why have I been in missions? I would, I would tell you that it has everything to do with the beauty of our God's character. It has everything to do with God's incredible passion for the lost. You know, that is something that you know, has just amazed me throughout the years. That And today I'm going to tell you stories from the mission field where God wanted to use certain moments to highlight his character, to teach me something about who he is. And these, these things he taught me were like seeds planted in my heart. And over time, it brought forth fruit. And, and one of the things that God wanted me to understand was that even though there's many places that are forgotten by man, God has not forgotten one person. And this has led me to the most remote places in Russia. It has led me to the homeless shelters. It has led me to the most dark places on this earth, even to the landfill in Bishkek. And I want to tell you stories of how God began to share with me his heart for the people. You know, when we look at the world today, you know, when I look at the world, I see from that picture the continent of Africa. I see clouds. I see not much. <laughs> my, my, my vision is finite. It's very limited. You know, and I, I'm always, remember what, when Neil Armstrong, he was in space, and he was looking down at the earth. And he said, it suddenly struck me that that tiny piece, pretty 
and blue was the earth. And I put up my thumb and I shut one eye and it blotted out the entire earth. And I felt like no giant. You know, from that perspective, you start wondering, what is the significance of man? Are we valuable? But from God's perspective, his loving and infinite eyes sees every human heart. And he loves everyone, and there is not one person forgotten. And so there's a verse in the Bible that gives a beautiful example of how God views the world today. When God looks at the nations, and even though this verse was written about the Israelites um, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I mean, just think about that verse. That our God right now, he looks at the earth and he sees and he hears and he knows. And this knowing is not just like, oh, yeah, I understand, you know, your suffering. It, it, it has, God is concerned. He's, you know, he didn't create the universe and wind it up like a clock and turn his back and walk away. He has not abandoned us. He's not indifferent to the cries of the people. He sees and he hears and he knows. And that knowledge has, you know, I, I started learning that lesson when I was 19 years old. And I moved to one of the most remote places in Russia. I... I moved to a, a place in the Perm province. It's basically in the wilderness. And this place that I moved was only known for two things. A Romanov who was buried in a hole and exiled, left to die, and its maximum security prison. That was it. That's what that place was on the map for. Okay? And I was surrounded by 280-plus villages that were completely and totally unreached. And there I was, 19 years old, learning a, a valuable lesson. As you see in this picture, most of the villages were dying. There were no roads. They were becoming abandoned. The government was turning the electricity off in these places. And, and there was a feeling of isolation and, and alcoholism like you've never seen it before. And another aspect to this part of the world was that during the time of communism, God was declared dead. And so each one of these villages had one church that was shut down, the priests were arrested, and the locals still remembered this. That church right there, I, I crawled to, and we, we were having a time of worship inside that church. I took that picture many years ago. But it became a place of storing hay. It became a place that every time a villager got up and he looked outside, he, looked, he started thinking, have we been abandoned by God? And they started developing a saying, Moscow is far away, but God is even further. And it's in that context I found myself. And my heart began to burn for these people. 
And we were sitting one day, my team, and we were, going, we were sitting in the back of a tractor. And we were, we were going through the, the forest. And I was meditating on this verse right here. As, you know, the, it was a fall, fall weather. It was beginning to be really cold, and the rain was coming down. And I'm thinking about this. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. I mean, everybody's grabbed sand from the, <laughs> and, and just watch how many grains fall out of your hand, you know, when it's, you're playing at the beach. I can't count that. And so I was just meditating on that. And we started getting closer and closer to this village, and all the homes were falling apart. It was poverty like I hadn't seen it before, because it wasn't just material poverty. It was a poverty of spirit. It was a, a feeling of we're, it's abandoned and there's no hope. And so our team got out and we went to every door. We knocked on every home and they were excited to have guests. But I kind of wandered away from the team. And I went to the center of the village and that's what it looked like. I was 19 years old and I remember taking this picture. I like just doing that when I'm having a memorable moment. It was raining, I was cold, and I was ready to go back inside, I was done. And I looked behind me, and there was a home that was falling apart, and the windows were boarded up. And you ever had that feeling when the Holy Spirit wants you to do something, but you, you know, you're kind of nervous about it, you know? And I, I felt that the Lord wanted me to go and knock on that door. So I, was, I went up, and I knocked. There was no answer. I was like, okay, I'm done. So I started walking away, and then, uh, you know, it was like God saying, no, 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 go back, knock. So I knocked again, no answer, knocked again. Finally, this time, I'm like, I'm just going to open the door. You know, put yourself in my shoes. I'm 19 years old. I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's no police. There's no phones. There's nothing. I'm in a forest, and I go, and I, I, I start pushing the door open. And I open the door, and in the distance, this is what I see in this dark home that's falling apart. I see a little old man sitting there, huddled in blankets, smoking and re-smoking the cigarettes in his ashtray. All he had in his house was one light bulb hanging from the ceiling, a mattress on the ground, a little table, a few wooden chairs. And he motioned to me to come and sit down. And so my heart's like, oh, goodness. What did I get into? I sit down. At that time, my, my Russian was a bit rusty, but I could understand him. And the very first thing he said to me was, I almost died three months ago, and I have absolutely no idea why I am here. And he started telling me his life story of how his, his kids wouldn't even talk to him. And he showed me his hand was gnarled with, with just uh, arthritis. And we were sitting there, and I'm 19 years old. What can I possibly tell this man? I mean, his life experience is so different than mine. And so finally, my team caught up with me, and, and uh, we had the idea, let's just read John chapter 3. And that's what we did. We just read the Bible. And there it was, I saw, this calloused man, his face began to soften up, and tears started coming down and being lost in his wild beard. And I felt the presence of God in this abandoned home, in this abandoned village. 
And he said, I had not heard those words since my grandmother read that to me when I was a little child. Please continue. And it was at that moment I understood that how great and how vast are the thoughts of God for this man. How you can't count all the merciful and loving thoughts that God had in this abandoned place. Ten kilometers from this place, no one's ever heard of it. But God has. And that was a lesson that began to grow deeper in my heart that there are no forgotten people with God. You know, because our God sees, our God, our God hears, and our God knows. My next story brings me to a place in Uzbekistan. I was 26 years old. I was leading a, a Russian team. And we went to an uh, orphanage, number one, it's for children with disabilities. And I'm happy to say that this orphanage has improved a lot. But honestly speaking, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. If you ever want to see the fruit of a hospital that denies the humanity in children, that is not built on the foundation that God created these kids in the image of God. You, you, there was stuff full of kids with the worst types of disabilities, and you would walk in, there'd be one staff, 20 kids, a dark room, and I'll spare you the details. But our team was totally overwhelmed. I mean, what can we do? We felt like just a drop in the ocean of need. What could we do? And what could we do in such a dark place? And, and one of our, our uh, staff is like, let's pray. And I was like, that's a great idea. Let's pray. And so we, we gathered around and we prayed. And, you know, our team believed that God was leading us to um, take outside children that normally did not have the opportunity to go outside. You know, because uh, there's only so many staff and how, how can these kids get outside? And so, you know, it was a beautiful day in Tashkent. The sun was shining. It was spring in the air. It was, it was a wonderful day. So perfect opportunity. So we, we, we went to the staff and we said, hey, this is what we want to do. And, you know, the, the staff agreed, but they wanted to give us the kids that were a little bit easier to get outside. And we're like, well, we, we can take them too, but we want to take children that do not normally have the opportunity because we're here. And that little girl on, on the right, she's 18 years old, okay? And, you know, so our team had about seven or eight people, and we took these kids outside. And this is what I was reading that morning. You know, it's important to renew your mind daily with Scripture, to know what's on God's heart, because he wants you to see the beauty of who he is. And I was reading that, and as I was walking this orphan around outside, I was meditating on this verse of, when Jesus said, Surely I say unto you, inasmuch as you do did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you, have, you did it to me. That's an incredible verse. And, you know, as I was carrying, you know, walking around, it was, it was like I could hear Jesus say, I was in a room unable to go outside, and you took me outside. I wanted to feel the warmth of that sun on my face. And you made that possible. I wanted to breathe the fresh air in my lungs. And you did that. Because when we were walking around, 
you know, the contrast of the sight and smell, and it was incredible. And so I realized at that moment, I could be preaching the gospel in front of 1,000 people, 2,000 people, 3,000 people, but what I was doing at that moment of loving on the least of these is blessing our Creator. Because God loves them passionately. You know, he's a God who sees, hears, and he knows. And I learned later that that girl had not been outside for over two years. You know? He's a God who sees and hears, and he knows. And he sees you today. And he sees the city of Charlotte today. He sees the nations. And he's not indifferent. He's not calloused. And he wants you to understand his passion. His love. And I, I, I tell you, that when this word started sinking into my heart, we started having more dreams. Where can we serve you, Jesus? Where can I find you and wash your feet? So we started dreaming about a hospice in Perm. And, and my friend, literally, we were going around looking for a hospice. Where, where can we get in in Russia that, you know, no one's ever gone before? And my friend found literally the worst-looking hospice hospital I've seen in my life. It was urban decay, definition of urban decay. And we went to the director, and we, we asked, you know, hey, this is what we want to do. Um, and we can tell you need help. We'll do anything that you want. We'll help. And she was like, okay, that's great. We, we have a lot of things, that you, you know, but you can't talk to anyone. Stay, stay away, you know. As long as you're helping us, you, you just can't talk to anybody. So we agreed to that. So every week we would go, we would cut the grass and fix their doors and set up their beds. And, you know, this went on for about a year. And then and one day, the director was outside burning documents. That's normally never a good thing, you know. But she was just throwing, like, all these papers in the fire, and we're like, whoa, what's going on here? And it was, it was just papers of uh, useless. It wasn't anything bad. It was just people that have come and gone through her hospital over the years. And she looked at our staff, and she said, you know what, I can treat their bodies, but we need someone to treat their soul. Do you think you could talk to the people? And it was like one of those moments where you can't believe what you're hearing. Like, are you serious? And just at that moment, just I, let's fast forward two years later. Two years later, we had a team come, and I'm standing in a hospice, and I was just having one of those God moments where they were playing worship at the hospital, and I could hear, I can't sing, so forgive me, how great is our God. And it was echoing from one end to the hospice to the other. And, and the people on their deathbeds were hearing the gospel. We were doing, we were everywhere. And I'm just standing there like amazed at how, wow, you know, we were able to, Change the spiritual temperature of that place through loving people. You know, we all want to do great things for God. We, we want to we do 
amazing things, but God was reminding me, you can do these small things, but do it in great love. That's Mother Teresa said that. But doing those things, we found ourselves pulling up to the hospital, and I found out I'm the ambulance now. I'm driving to the hospital. You know, and we had never imagined that just a few years before. And during this time, God just kept reminding me of how amazing he is. I, I love this photo that NASA took of the sun. I mean, you ever just, just Google the sun and just look at pictures of it? It's, it's a big ball of fire, <laughs> and it's hot. You know, God said, let there be light, and that is intense. That reminds me of the intensity of God. And it, at the core of the sun burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. I complain when it's 100, you know? But here's the thing. That is just a material entity. It can be measured. It can be measured. Our God can't be measured. He is infinite. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the omnipotent great I am. And so when he says, I love you, can you measure that? I believe when he says that, it burns with more intensity than that hot ball of fire in the sky. And so the revelation of just seeing that, of knowing him, you know, all mission is, should be is worship. Missions exist because worship doesn't. You want to invite people to a God who they understand that our God, he sees and he hears and he knows and he wants to reach the nations through you and me and is doing small things every day. And it's amazing what can come from this. I never knew we would be able to do what we did in the hospice. One other thing I wanted to share, two other things, one more story in Russia where I, I went to something called an adaptation house and this place exists because oh, um, the government doesn't really know what to do with these people and there is a mixture of all kinds of people from the homeless to people that had their legs, they, had missed, they lost their legs because of the false bite. Um, and like, you can imagine the facilities were not that good. And, you know, when you start seeing how the enemy attacks humans, how the, he, he, the whole hospital that is not built on the foundation that people are valuable. And so I'm walking into this situation, and I see this worker, and there's this, about 10 men in a room, and one, one man who had a stroke, he's, he's lying on, on, on a bed. And I can hear this woman in a distance saying, get up, you dog. You're worthless. And, you know, it was just like, and she's just yelling at him and yelling at him. And I'm just, you know, like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And so our team comes, and we find out the man can't even talk. He had a stroke. He's laying there. And from the looks of it, he's been there for like three to four weeks, and no one's hardly done anything. And so what our team did was we, 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 we picked this man up, and we bathed him. And we cut his beard, and we cut his hair, and we cut his fingernails, and we cut his toenails, and we put new clothes on. And we were looking him in the eye and calling him by his name. 
And it was moments like that where you could see just the heart of God in those encounters of saying, I see and I hear and I know. And that's what I want to communicate to you today is that our God has an incredible passion for the lost. That, you know, he sent his one and only son. And it's led us on an interesting journey. You know, two years ago, I, I moved our whole family to Kyrgyzstan. And one of our goals was to go to the landfill. You know, I wanted to work in a landfill. Not live in a landfill. Thank God we're, you know, moving away. <laughs> we don't live within the trash. But I would like to tell you this, that story. You know, because no one's going to this place. It is the dirtiest place in Bishkek. And I remember when I first arrived and my friend, my co-worker, Roma, we rented a van and he was going to take us to the landfill. And I'm sitting there and I'm scared. I'm a little nervous. Um, you know, I'm sitting, number one, in a van in Kyrgyzstan. I'm about to go to the landfill. And, you know, how are the people going to react to us? What will they say? What are we going to do? I mean, it's 97% Muslim. You know, will they, will they accept our message? You know, how, how, what are we going to, you know, it was just, I was nervous. So I was sitting there. And the driver, as we were getting closer and closer to the landfill, you could see that dark black smoke from a distance because it's always on fire. And my heart's beating. And, and even the driver, he's like, why do you want to go here? Even the, the driver started, you know, looking at Roma like, you know, I know many, many places that have needs. I can't, we can go there right now. How about I, I'll turn around right now. We, we'll just go right there. And then, you know, my friend Roma's looking at me, and he's like, um, maybe we should do that. What do you think, John? What do you think, John? Microphone drop. You feel the seconds become minutes, you know? And it's, uh, you're, it's decision. And I just asked the question to the Lord, should we turn around? What would Jesus do? And I, I just closed my eyes and I started thinking, and I could not help but picture if Jesus was in Bishkek, the, probably the first place he would go would be the landfill. And so I was like, Roma, we're going. And, you know, I remember getting out of that the van and I took this picture. Kind of like how when I was 19 years old, this is, this is what I saw. <laughs> like, I have arrived. <laughs> it smelled you know, we started walking amongst the trash and sitting with people, giving them food, giving them coffee. And I, I had no idea where this ministry would take us. And I have a video that I would like to show that gives you a visual taste of the sights that we've seen in this area and what the Lord is doing. And my message to you today would be, you know, God wants to use you like a pencil to write his love letter to the world. Many times we say, God, no, 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 I can write a better story. And so we, we try to take our own, we're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write my own story here, God. I know best. But God wants to use you to share 
his love to the world. And I, looking back at the two years of how many lives we've touched, it's been incredible. Um, so here's the video. Now, share a little bit during it, too. Many places in this world are forgotten. Uh, this place is one of those. But with God, there's no forgotten people. He knows everybody by name, and he loves them passionately. of the wind, the smoke can cover the home where you can't even breathe. And so during the summer, there was a lot of children that would work there. And um, yeah, it was really hard to see this. It is our goal to show these forgotten places Christ's love. Once a week, we prepare a meal that can feed up to 60 people. Before giving food to the workers, we visit several families with small kids in order to give them a hot meal. On hot summer days, water can be scarce. Giving them a cold cup of clean water is a way of showing them our God truly cares. So we started, um, we visit families first, and we started developing relationships where we met, I'll tell you the story later, of a homeless family that we helped. And um, the kids know when we come, they bring their plates out. But water can be turned off sometimes at, for three to four to five days. So we sometimes bring water. Just this past week, we did a Christmas program. Um, we had up to 70 kids. It was a hot summer day. The sun was ruthless. We were just saying goodbye to the 60 plus people we gave food to at the landfill. One man approached me and invited me to his house. He wanted me to meet his wife and five kids. Roma and I followed him. He then turned around and with a smile said, we're here. I was confused because I did not see a house. All I saw was a dusty plot of land. At that moment, I realized he lived with his family in a tent made of blankets. He invited me in and offered us bread. It was only then that I noticed the foundation for a home a few feet away. So this particular family right here, they were living in a tent and the father was so drunk that um, we were worried that they wouldn't be in a home before winter. And so when you go in and the father's like, like this, and he can't even do anything, <clears throat> um, we, we build him a home. And um, it's through this family, she's out actually now um, helping us to help other families. And so every time we come, this woman's with us and she's serving the, the people in the community. And it's really opened a lot of doors. We have a lot of families right now that are just 
you know, they're, they're open for the gospel. And this is incredible because you're talking about a Muslim nation. And, you know, when you, we didn't come preaching the gospel every day to them. All we did was love them and love them and love them. And they knew that we, we, we were followers of Jesus. And so that was our approach. And it took over a year, but we're seeing that ice begin to thaw. Because, you know, going back, our God, he sees, he hears, and he knows. And he looks at this landfill, and those are his people. And I'm hoping one day there will be a church in that landfill. Time's coming. So I thank you for um, having me. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.